Boom. Welcome home. <laughs> it's really good to be with you guys. Um, I hope you had an awesome Christmas and that your New Year's night was at, at you at least got a little bit of rest because I was in bed by 1030 last night. So um, praise God for that one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So as this new year is upon us now, I hope you've had some time to reflect on maybe some of the things that you've really loved that happened over the course of 2022. Maybe also a couple of things that you wish may have gone better in your life. And normally, for me, I'm not a big fan of setting goals. You can ask Pastor Derek. I make goals jokes all the time with him, but I don't do a really great job of planning any of the steps it takes to actually accomplish goals or even really following up with the goals themselves. And typically, I kind of like fail to go back, revisit, see how I stacked up. And this is especially true with New Year's resolutions. And I don't know if anyone else can identify with that, but I almost never get them right. This last year, one of my big resolutions was get into the gym and pump some iron three to four times a week. And I did really, really good for like two months. It was, and then it wasn't good at all. Uh, I wasn't exactly trying to get huge arms like Pastor Derek or to do the Chris Hemsworth uh, workout like Pastor Daniel did, but I was just trying to get to like a healthy weight for me. Just try to put a little bit of mass on, and as you can see, 2022 New Year's resolution didn't quite work out the way I was hoping it would. So by the time that March came around, I was basically in the gym maybe like once a week. Well, that's not necessarily true. I was in the gym playing basketball like two or three times a week because that is just one of my true loves. But anytime I found myself in the rec center in Cedar Falls, I was hooping, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Missing every shot, but I loved it the whole time regardless. Um, I'd failed miserably to accomplish that goal of weightlifting, not even halfway through the calendar year. And I know that all of us really do have some hope, hopes, and maybe you call them goals or priorities for 2023. Um, and some of us, it might be to lose a little bit of weight, could be to acquire a new skill, get a new job, pray more, spend time with Jesus. No matter what your skill or goal that you have to do is, maybe you can identify with a few of these, but I think the question that we should be asking ourselves is, what is the absolute best thing, what is the most important resolution that I can make for 2023? So I imagine that many of us would have a goal that would help us draw closer to Jesus because you are, after all, in church today. But as we look back in Scripture, I think we can find the answer to this question, and we can actually see that we aren't the only people out there that are making some kind of goal to be closer to Jesus. This leads us to our text this morning. It's from Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet this I hold against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I have given the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in paradise of God. 
This is the word. Would you pray with me? Jesus, Lord, I pray that, God, you would let this passage soak into our hearts. Lord, as we approach 2023, God, we pray that you would be the priority of our lives, Lord, that you are our first love, and God, that you would help us to return to it. So, Lord, we love you so much, and I'll just pray in your name. Amen. So I think for many people, especially uh, Christians like myself, who don't have a whole lot of biblical training, Revelation can be a really scary book to read at times. Um, There are things that I just don't understand. Like, what is this thing with seven wings and 40 arms and a a bunch of eyes, and why is that important to me at all? But... It's important to know that the book of Revelation, it's okay to not understand everything completely because John, who wrote it, was just a guy who loved Jesus and saw some things that he didn't totally understand either. He didn't totally know how to communicate it because it's heavenly things seen through earthly eyes, if that makes sense. So it's okay to not totally understand Revelation. Um, It's just good to hear the words and um, to know that Some of these things are really great for us to hear and communicate with each other. So it's also important to know that this book is not only a foretelling of future events, it is, but it's also a divine diagnosis of the state of the church. So the things that we need to be aware of from this passage is that Jesus must be the center of our lives. When our passage says that these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, it means that Jesus the author of the capital C church, the one who created everything, needs to be the centerpiece of his own creation. It means that he walks alongside us in every season and circumstance. And with our submission to his leadership, the church can operate without fear. As Jesus walks alongside his church, he knows exactly what we're going through every season, whether it be good or bad. And when we can think, there are sometimes, especially I can think, that everything is hopeless or doomsday, I can say that it's all over, let's just pack it up and go home. We must remember in those kind of moments that Jesus is walking alongside us to turn every situation for our good. And with Jesus being our beacon of light through the night, we have nothing to fear because he is the one that's showing us to take every step along the way. In the years that my wife Casey and I have served in college ministry as interns and staff members, we got to see some really cool stuff that God did through Chi Alpha. And there were some really great things that God did, many of them being he healed students from depression, healed them physically, set them free from addiction, and most importantly, called many of them into a new family that he's going to have for all of eternity, that they will have for all of eternity. God did and continues to do great things. But these incredible highs don't come with their own set of challenges either. As a missionary, you usually have to raise your own budget in order to get paid to do what you do. And so, as you might be able to imagine, asking people for money is not usually a fun or easy thing to do. <laughs> there, <laughs> we got a few in here, and I think they would all agree. There were several months when I was pretty frightened that Casey and I wouldn't be able to pay rent or eat, but through every season, Jesus never let me forget his goodness through his provision. Every season, he was walking with us, and we never went a month without a paycheck and never went to bed hungry. And We were always able to get everything we needed, even in a season when nothing was guaranteed. 
And one of the biggest blessings of fundraising outside of seeing God's provision, which is probably the biggest, but the next one, would be that you get to see so many people come alongside you and say, not only do I believe in what God can do, but also we believe in you as well. We received so much encouragement from our support team, the way that they um, encouraged us to press on in this ministry. You know, it was Jesus that showed up totally financially, but also he showed up in those little moments, those times when I wasn't sure if student A or B needed something specifically. And it was weird because somebody on our support team would kind of speak that life into me so I could turn around and speak it into them. This is the way that we truly saw in our own lives that Jesus is with us in every season and circumstance. Now, I know that many of you probably don't relate to raising funds consistently, but I want to ask you, is there maybe a situation in your life that might seem to be a thorn in your side? Is there anything that you can welcome Jesus into right now that you're not sure that he's really in the moment of? Or maybe there's something that seems like it could be getting in your way, in your way of the work for the ministry. Could you be struggling with fear or disappointment? I think all of these fears or questions are things that Jesus wants us to take on head first. And the reason that we can do that is because we know that Jesus is with us right now. This season and circumstance, his presence is the thing that can motivate us to be bold and witness to those around us. This confidence doesn't come without fear, however, If we spend extravagant time with Jesus and let him deep into our hearts, these fears stand no chance against his awesome power. Can I get an amen? Let's go. (laughs) Having the love of our heavenly father at the end of the day is the thing that will surely bring us this unshakable confidence that we can do anything that would otherwise cause us paralyzing fear. This could be the thing that is true with habits or activities that draw us away from him as well. If we give our hearts to them, we will inevitably draw farther away from Jesus. Have you ever noticed what it feels like when you binge a Netflix series for an entire day or watch a bunch of TikTok or play 13 hours of video games? Because I know what that's like. Anyone else? It doesn't feel great. Just me? Thank you. No, for me, and I'm sure it does for you too, it typically produces this sense of numbness. It's not really something where I'm like, oh, forget about Jesus today. It's more like, man, I just don't really want to do anything. haven't done anything already, but I don't want to do anything more. By the numbing of our minds, we also tend to numb our sensitivity to God as well. Anything that he wants to do in our lives is now something that we care less about. Typically, God isn't interested, well, all the time, God isn't interested in drones that go about their lives without remembering their own purpose. God wants us to work hard and to live generously. And if we want to live in a happy, healthy, thriving relationship with Jesus, we need to return to our first love. We have to work hard for the kingdom and do right by God. One of the things that the Ephesian church did that was clearly highlighted in this letter was that they worked hard and worked well. Verses two through four say, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. When I read this, I was like, oh goodness. 
forsaken the first love, the love you had at first. It's really tough, but when, I think when you break down this passage, the word forsaken in the text is used intentionally. It means to abandon. It does not mean to lose it and no longer be able to find it. It means to walk away from. Their hearts were indifferent towards Jesus. Their work for the gospel ultimately meant nothing for Jesus. When it says that they endured patiently, that they sacrificed, none of that mattered to Jesus because they did not love him. Their work for the gospel ultimately meant nothing because the deep love for him, there was no deep love for Jesus that drove their obedience like Daniel was talking about with kingdom builders. They did all the right things and still they lacked the one thing. They didn't love Jesus. Their actions, actions were external and their hearts weren't deeply in love with the person of Jesus. They suffered for him, were rejected, they rejected false prophets. They didn't get pulled away from the other messages that the churches in the book of Revelation were pulled away by. By all accounts, they worked hard and looked like they were a shining example of a really healthy church. But at the end of the day, they were like whitewashed tombs. Looking spotless on the outside, they lacked everything that led to life on the inside, the love of Jesus. Jesus isn't interested in our forced labor. He just wants family. Jesus doesn't care about external actions. He wants our hearts. There's a huge difference between loving someone and doing something nice for them. This brings me back to the days when Casey and I weren't married, but we were both leading small groups in Chi Alpha. And Casey was leading a small group on a Wednesday night, and I had nothing going on Wednesday nights because mine was on Thursday. And so she'd get off work, and she'd come over to my apartment on Pan in Panther Village on campus, and I'd have like a macaroni and cheese bake ready to go for it. Not every week, but that was like her favorite. So I made it a few times. And the reason that I would do that was because I loved her so dearly that I wanted to provide what I could for her in those moments. And so when she would come over, we would eat, and we'd talk for like 10 minutes, and then she'd leave for small group. It's something really insignificant, right? It's just a meal. It's just talking for a little bit. But that was something that drew us closer together, the time that we had, even for just 10 minutes. And because I was a suave young man who knew how to cook, I, I was ready to lock it all down, but these days, <laughs> these days, if I'm honest with you guys, there are times that I don't want to cook anymore, and not because I don't love her anymore, but I'm, I could just be tired or I didn't plan anything, and I still, I still like to cook, but there are times when I forget to put my whole heart into my actions, and I think many, the same thing can be said for many of us with Jesus, too. We, at first, loved him and loved to be around him, but over time, there have been distractions that pull us away from him and his love. Sometimes it could put a strain on our relationship with him. So how do we get back to the special place where Jesus, with Jesus where the fire was stoked at one point in our souls? I think we can look back at our scripture. It says, Jesus says, or it says, You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yeah, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Human doings don't matter to Jesus. It's human beings. This shows us that we are likely to stray from God when we are not connected to him. 
And as we engage with God on a daily basis, we give him room in our lives to speak to us and to give us clarity. This is why we teach on spiritual disciplines inside of our church so often. Are you ready to pray, church? We're about to go through prayer and fasting. We're about to hear about how to pray. What better time it is to learn how to spend time with Jesus? Disciplines aren't something that we do to create boring habits. When you go to pray, it isn't to say your 10 things you have on a list every day, and then you're like, well, I'm done now, so I guess, Jesus, we're in a good place today. Instead, it's supposed to be something that gives us time to draw close to Jesus regularly so that we don't start backsliding at any point. There was one time I was on my way home from work when I was in high school, and I put in my Foo Fighters CD into my car stereo, and I just started jamming. Big Foo Fighters guy right here, personally. About halfway through the second song, I started daydreaming about what I wanted my weekend to look like. I'm, a big, I'm also a big skiing kind of guy. I love to snowboard personally, and so we are about to go to sundown that weekend. I had a few friends that were going to go with us. And all of a sudden, I woke up in my driveway at home with my car off. I had completely gone into autopilot the entire way home. I didn't know if I had stopped the two stop signs on the way home, if I knew what speed I was going ever, or if there were even police officers on the way home. I don't remember any details. And so when I got there, I realized that I had just completely shut down my brain as I was daydreaming about what could happen. I think speaking from my personal experience, it can be easy for myself to go onto autopilot and just do the things that are easy for Jesus, the things that I make a routine out of without actually thinking about what he's asking me to do in those small, quiet moments. When I go on autopilot, I don't notice the little details that move my faith from mediocrity to greatness. And when I do things on autopilot with Jesus, I tend to forget my first love. There's less fire and passion to show people what Jesus' lifestyle is like. It's radically different from what they know and are used to. And with this real possibility that we can go into autopilot, we have to be ready to fight the temptations in the first place. One of the best ways of avoiding the temptation is to spend extravagant time with Jesus in prayer. I didn't even know that we were going to do the whole prayer series. I knew we were doing prayer and fasting, but extravagant time with Jesus in prayer, I think, is a thing that he wants for our church moving into 2023. I'm becoming increasingly aware of how much prayer is a primary force to draw me closer to the heart of Jesus these days. It is the clearest way for us to practice spending time conversing with the person that we want to imitate most. And while I believe that Bible reading is still incredibly important, and you should probably do it every day if you want to be a good Christian and look like Jesus, I think that prayer is always going to be the activity that makes us feel closest to God. I can imagine if I sat down with Casey, and I didn't say a single word to her, and I refused to lend an ear to anything she had to say to me, we would probably both walk away from from the setting, the encounter, feeling neglected and hurt. And so I can only imagine that the same feels is true with God as well. Doesn't it make any sense why we kind of feel left out to dry when we don't spend time with God, when we haven't made the effort to talk with him? If we open our hearts to what God has for us every day and ask him to examine our hearts, help us to be aware of the things that pull us away from him, 
those are the times, or if we don't do that, we'll continue to get pulled away from his heart. These times of prayer are some of the best times that God will reinforce the love on our souls. And it'll show us all the behind-the-scenes work in our lives that we don't always see up front either. But if we don't make this time to be with him, how are we going to be reminded of his love all the time? Knowing God's love for us is the thing that should motivate us to return in the tough moments in life. But if we're not consistently remember, or reminded of these things, then we're not going to turn to him in thankfulness or gratitude when we have the good things either. When we don't give ourselves a chance to return this ever with this world-changing love, we are likely to become more selfish and operate in a way that looks like obligatory slavery. We may be subconsciously saying to ourselves, well, I guess I'll give my tithe. It's just the right thing to do. That's one of the worst things I find myself saying to myself all the time. It's just the right thing to do, so I guess I'll do it. In those moments, our identity shifts from whose we are to what we do. And that's the wrong way. We can also forget to love those around us. We can become numb to the eternity of the people who don't have what we do with Jesus. As if Jesus didn't commission us to go make disciples for other people, when we fall to being numb to their eternity, we turn to a state of apathy for our community and friends. We have to care for those who don't have what we do. This leads us to today's main idea. In 2023, the most important thing we can do is make Jesus our first love. This entire year must be about returning to the first love of Jesus we've had. When I was growing up, I was a good little church kid that did all the good little church kid things, and I followed all of the rules because it was the right thing to do. I think you can see this pattern in my life. I do the right things because they're the right thing to do. And I never really achieved anything difficult because I just did the right things because they were the right things to do. So when I was in high school, I started to become more aware of my goody two-shoes kind of nature, and it really did start to bug me. I no, I no longer wanted to do the right things because they were just the right things. Now, when I was growing up, I never drank or did drugs or got too involved with women, but as I approached the beginning of my senior year, I started to get more curious about these things. I was dreaming of what college life could look like, and I wanted to party a ton, and I wanted to experiment with anything that was out there. I wanted to sleep with as many women as I could for this next year, but before that, I had been going to church with my mom, as I would mentioned. I didn't know Jesus personally until I came to him when I met Jesus in Chi Alpha, in 2015. When I got involved with Kyle, Alpha, my life radically changed. I no longer had any desire to drink. I didn't want to do drugs. And my priorities had shifted away from sleeping around. And in these early years of faith, let me tell you, I was very passionate. There was no doing the right things for the right reason. But instead, I would, I'd get pretty heated when I had conversations with people who said they loved Jesus but didn't act like it. Nearing the end of my freshman year, I felt like I wanted to go into vocational ministry, so Pastor Daniel told me to hold on and wait. I don't need to go away to Bible college for then so I could finish my degree at UNI and go do an internship with Chi Alpha, and eventually that's what I did. 
But over the next couple of years of college, I was so passionate, in fact, I didn't have any proper boundaries with people in my life as far as this passion for Jesus. I would angrily look them in the eyes and tell them that I disapproved of the way they were conducting themselves. <laughs> and it bit me in the butt so many times. <laughs> I was ready to end friendships with people if they weren't willing to dive headfirst into this radical life change with Jesus like I did. There was this one time in Chi Alpha, I gave this girl an ultimatum that she had to either break up with her boyfriend or leave Chi Alpha <laughs> because they weren't going to the same ministry. It's just silly. Uh, I did so many dumb things. <laughs> but it's true. Um, I, that's the kind of thing I would get myself in trouble with. Um, but the bigger and potentially worse thing that I did was because of this same passion that I had. Back in probably 2016, maybe 2017, Pastor Daniel had asked Derek and I if we wanted to go to a Chi Alpha Pastors Conference with him. And as I've shared with you, I wanted to go into Chi Alpha, so I was like giddy with the whole thing. I was like, yeah, let's go. And so we went and naturally, I was like ready to get with the big dogs of Chi Alpha, all the like hundred pastors in our region and talk shop with them, you know? Like, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty cool. <laughs> I'm a student. <laughs> Needless to say, we eagerly joined him. And so the conference was awesome. We had a ton, we learned a ton about college ministry and about halfway through the conference, all the Chi Alpha pastors from our state got together in a Starbucks to talk about vision and to just have some really sweet bonding time together. And so Daniel bought our drinks. I think I got like the biggest latte you could get at Starbucks. And as we were at the table, I really started to feel what I thought at the time was the Holy Spirit just like giving me a word, but it was probably just way too much caffeine. It was pumping through my veins. So I tentatively listened to all these pastors talk about their campuses and maybe some of the like unique challenges that they were facing. And eventually, I felt like I just had something I had to say to Daniel. And so in front of every pastor and Starbucks employee in the shop, I started laying into him about how I didn't think he challenged me enough in my faith. <laughs> uh, I can look back at these times and be like, I was so dumb. <laughs> uh, I probably over-dramatized like, this story in my head, but if I remember right, all these pastors were just like, oh my gosh, this student is just crazy. Eventually, I calmed down, um, and even a few weeks later, Daniel had gently let me know that that was probably the wrong thing to do in the wrong setting. Probably not even the right thing at all to do, but he challenged me because I challenged him for not challenging me enough, so I, I suppose I asked for it. <laughs> but now I think we can laugh at how ridiculous that was, how ridiculous I was for doing it in that place. Like, how dumb can I get? But the thing is that my mentor loved me enough to bring me to a conference that I couldn't wait to go to. And even when I made him look bad in front of all of his colleagues, he, I apologized and we're all okay with the whole thing. Looking back at it, my passion, my passion and the caffeine overdose led me to do something that was less than people smart. 
and it wasn't the right way to go about the conversation, and I made plenty of mistakes after that one too. I didn't learn my lesson, trust me. That, that was all about me starting off my faith. It was a passion. And as I've joked about, jo- about it with Daniel and Derek, Daniel told me over and over that he'd rather have somebody who's passionate that makes some mistakes than somebody who is overcome with laziness. <clears throat> so even knowing that, I've tried over the years to find a happy medium, but I've struggled with overcorrecting. I've been so scared to scare somebody away, to make them leave Chi Alpha because they wouldn't break up with their boyfriend, that I think the passion has started to become quenched in my life. But I think I agree with Daniel when he says that I would rather have somebody who makes a couple of messes up front that is willing to learn from it than someone who won't do anything at all. So I listen, I don't want to yell at Daniel at Starbucks in Starbucks anymore. <laughs> I love the passion. I just want a different expression of it. And I think I've done many of the right things in my life, like reading my Bible, serving in church, and maybe even being a good husband and friend. But there are times when it might be because of image management, maybe professional courtesy, or even sometimes just going through the motions because it's the right thing to do. And I think that many people in this place may struggle with the same thing that I do. If you're hearing this message and you haven't ever loved Jesus, if he hasn't ever been your first love, I think it's time that he wants to introduce you to a family where this can be your case in 2023. This year could be one where you experience the perfect love of Jesus for the first time. The reason that Jesus will always be my first love is because he loved me first. And I think the same is waiting for you, the same love this morning. His consistency and perfect character is something that I can marvel at every single day. The way that he loves, the way that he's so patient, the way that stupid junior John can yell at his own pastor and still be forgiven. That's the love that Jesus has for you. He knows every mistake you've ever made. He knows everything that you've ever done. And he still chose to get up on that place, on that cross for you. As if the judge had sentenced himself, he steps off his own throne to take your place. And for those of you who are well acquainted with the love of Jesus, it's time to return to that first love. He isn't interested in the external actions of your life if you don't remember to love him first. And this gospel that once moved you, it's time to let it move you again. How can you soften your heart for the love that you had at first? Have you been listening for every prompt of the Holy Spirit? Is there anything in your life that maybe he's been asking you to change but you've been resistant towards? Do you need to spend more extravagant time with Jesus in your life? Or is there someone someone in here that maybe you've been on autopilot for longer than you can remember but he just wants you back have you been numbing your mind with entertainment on a nightly basis have you been consumed with the political future of our country have you been spending extravagant time with Jesus in prayer so that you could become more sensitive to him in every moment if you had a vision like John did Would Jesus be asking you or telling you 
yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. So let me cast an alternative, less depressing reality for this next year. What if we return to the zeal and passion that we once had at first for Jesus? What if in 2023, our church would be characterized by the time that we had with Jesus in private? Because honestly, who cares what we do in public if it's not for his love in private? What if we were so sensitive to the promptings of God that we didn't have to question his voice from our own? What if we were willing to look a little crazy to the world, even if it meant that woman in Walmart who needed help grabbing the top item from the shelf, what if she got to encounter Jesus for 60 seconds? What if we weren't afraid of mild rejection when we tried to share our faith with our friends and family the same way that the early disciples did, with nothing to fear? because Jesus is with us through every season and circumstance. What would faith like that do in Cedar Falls, Iowa? If we can make Jesus our first love again, all bets are off. 2023 can be a year where Jesus' name becomes famous in our community because of the love that we have for him. So would you stand with me? This year has some great potential to be something great. I'm excited to do it with you. So with every eye closed in this place and every head bowed, I just wanna give a chance for a couple of groups of people to respond. So first, this morning, if you haven't known Jesus before, I wanna give you a chance to put your faith in him. And this everlasting kind of love, this self-sacrifice, the kind of love that puts yourself on a cross to die for someone else. If this is you and you want to put your faith in Jesus, I just want to give you a second to raise your hand on, after my countdown. So three, two, one. Go ahead and raise your hands if you want to. And I'll pray. Jesus, Lord, for anyone in this place that wants to give their life to you, God, we just pray that you would help us to come alongside them to um, explore faith with these new brothers and sisters, Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful for what you do on this cross, the way that you sacrifice yourself in order for us to be able to spend eternity with you, God. We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. And for those of us who need to return to this first love, I just ask that you would raise both hands for those of us who want to get back with Jesus this year, those of us who want to have a chance to get right with Jesus in this season and so, so that we can see our community saved, we'll pray for you too. Jesus, Lord, I pray for those of us who want to return to this first love, God. Lord, for those of us maybe who have forgotten to repent in the seasons when, Lord, when we're just taken away from you and your love, Lord, if there's anything that you want to speak to us, Lord, I pray that our ears are open, God. Lord, I pray as we go into this next season to focus on prayer, Lord, would you be speaking to us, Lord? Help us to recognize the voice of our shepherd, Lord, to know what you're going to be doing in this next season to come. And Lord, I pray as we have chance to partner with you, God, I pray that you would help us to take advantage of every little moment. We thank you, Jesus. Also, we pray in your name. Amen.